Hello. Are we doing it? Andrew's crap. Episode 9. I can't believe we made it this far. I can't believe you're listening to this. I posted about the podcast for the first time. I'm blown away. I am blown away. 93 people clicked on this. A lot of regrets coming in. I better get to the funny stuff quickly. The the funniest part of 9-11 to me... (laughs) By the way, someone said I cleared my throat too much. Just want to get that out there. Wouldn't want to disturb your ears. Uh, the funniest part of 9-11 to me is that airport security, before they didn't think to put a lock on the door of the plane. <laughs> They're just like, before 9-11, security was just, here's some pretzels, don't move. And that worked for a long time. It's funny to me. All this, oh, China controls you and the freedom and 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 really, if they just give you a soda pop or a or a or a Jack Daniel, you'll just sit there for. It is. Uh, it's a good thing they make you wait thirty minutes for your bags at the airport because you need everyone needs that time to sober up. <laughs> Everyone is just getting hammered on planes, taking a quick nap. People can't sleep. It's not your bed. You don't need a $5,000 bed. Tempur-Pedic. You just just need to let go of your fears. You need to be present and be one with the universe. The universe is... uh, they're controlling us, right? That this is their form of control is legalizing these things, you know. I think. I don't know. You know, who cares? <laughs> if it's if the if what's good for the goose is good for the gander. By the way, these people that need drugs to uh to get through the day. This podcast sponsored by Gabriel Rutledge Lighter. High quality. I was going to quit smoking. I ran out of weed at the beginning of January, and I was like, I'll just uh, go a few weeks and see how. And then I bought the lighter, and then I ran out a few days later because I only bought a few extra. And then I was like, oh, I'm going on the road this weekend. I'll just go. I just won't bring any. And then I got to my uncle's house, and he's like, hey, I need a weed gummy to get to sleep. And I was like, Sounds good to me. And uh, then I came back and I was out of weed. And then Luke hit me up and he was like, let's go on a hike. And the last several hikes, he has not brought marijuana. And then he was like, I got a joint. And I was like, well, the universe is giving me signs. The universe is giving me signs. I thought I should start videoing these episodes and putting them on YouTube. Because my YouTube channel blew up this year and I have nothing to post because I want to protect some of the stand up, some of it's incomplete. 
And um, I'll get to posting pretty soon here. Because these ticket sales are not moving. Gotta do something. But I thought, well, episode 10, that's a nice round number. And then I thought, I have these arguments with myself all the time. I'm like, look, if it's good enough for episode 10, it's good enough for episode 9. You're not going to get any better at this until episode 40, at least. Well, damn it, I'm doing it. So I got home, ready to record last night from open mic, hit the light switch, and boom, that, that flash where the lights short out. And so now I'm in the dark because my ceilings are 12 feet high. Not bragging. So I called a handyman. He's not available till tomorrow. And I thought, if I put this off any longer, this th- I've already written like 10 pages of notes. This thing's just going to get even longer. And um, I just got to go. Gotta, I got to empty the brain. I was going to record during the day. But the bright sunlight kept shining through my window onto my computer screen. And I said, the universe is telling me I need to go hiking again today. Two days in a row, 60 degrees in Seattle in January. What is this, California? (laughs) Get it? Because it's raining there. Mudslides. Try the vodka prune juice. Um... I tried texting that to my family group. I think those are like perfect family, good family jokes. Like, they're tired of my, they don't laugh at anything I send to the group thread. And it's because they they resent me. They, I'm so talented that they're jealous. Another funny story, which is a total coincidence, but I smoke a lot of pot. And you think the universe is sending you signs. I you I I remember like a uh Pete Holmes. Peter Holmes, that's a comedian, right? I was gonna say Petey Pablo. That is the opposite of who I meant to think of. Pete Holmes had this guy on, and he was explaining this phenomenon of coincidence where you think it's a but you think twelve thousand things a day that don't happen, but the three times out of a million thoughts a day that that you see, you know, that it actually comes true and it must be a sign. What about all the times, you know, it, it's, it's stupid. But I'm at the ball game with Adam. Talked about that. We're, we're having a schmooze in a, in a suite. It felt very, you know... <laughs> Movies, the bad guys, they always do business in like strip clubs, and I always feel like I get distracted. And uh, football game, fun in the suite because it's climate control. You know, we're 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 not even paying attention to the game really. You know, my eyes are so bad now. I I <laughs> I just need binoculars to if I'm in the front row. I'll be like, who's that number? I can't see. So I'm talking, we're trying to finalize the Katie tour and how that thing's coming together. And, you know, he's going, who else is on the show? I go, oh, Kelly Collette. He's, oh, we book her. Is she, is she any good? 
which is how involved he is in the process. I mean, I'm sure he's seen a video and whatever, but it's also he books the headliners now. He doesn't he doesn't bother with us low level, <laughs> low life. Um, I think he could do my old. I think he would remember my old jokes better than he would some of my new material. Um, but he says, "Oh, Kelly Collette." T-, he goes, uh, "Tell me, tell me one of her jokes." And that's a troubling. This guy owns seven comedy clubs, and I've seen him watch a comedian from the back who is very funny but had a tough night. And he just said, ah, it sucks. I I booked this person a lot, and now I don't think I'm going to. It was kind of boring. And I'm like, it's, it's yeah, but also it's pretty good. Give it a shot. So if I butcher this joke for my friend, who is not even, who is not a solidified, you know, He's going to be like, oh, thanks for telling me I was booking this hack. And um, and now it's my fault. I want everyone to live and die by their own merit, not my butchered retelling. It's not my joke. I don't remember every word. There's charm. There's charisma. There's, you know, 40 minutes. It's the closer, but it's also a dumb. It's silly. But it's a joke about having a threesome fantasy with twins. And it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. And Adam kind of laughs, and then he thinks about it more, and he's like, that's kind of stupid, but also it's just like an old reference. Like, that's a 40-year-old movie, you know? And then we're laughing about that, where I'm, like, trying to defend it, but I'm also like, I mean, that's just silly. It's a joke. Come on. Don't overthink a joke. Also, the movie is 40 years old. The other night... I pop up Netflix. It shows new to Netflix, the movie Twins. And I'm like dying laughing. I text Adam. He laughs. I text Kelly. No response. She hates me. I think the universe is telling me to stop texting people in the middle of the night about stupid stuff. As Berbiglia would say, that's called a remainder. Save up 12 of those and you have yourself a conversation. My favorite part of this podcast is when I do other people's jokes because at least I know there's a laugh somewhere in here. I was traveling this weekend in Hartford, Connecticut, not bragging. Uh, I talk about this in my stand-up sets. And... uh, my flight strategy, I stay up all night. If I have a 5 a.m. flight, West Coast to East Coast, you got to get that first. You got to get that crack-ass dawn. It's just the nature of the beast. And uh, so I wake up or I get the 5 a.m. flights. I get stoned in the morning. I stay up all night if I can. And then I bring a pillow and I just pass out on the plane, window seat. No one bothers no conversations with strangers. No, what do you do for a living? Oh, tell where you're headed. <laughs> oh, you're going to Tuscaloosa also. Yeah, we're all going there. You think I'm jumping out in the middle of the middle of that's someone else's joke too. I don't know. So then I bring the pillow. I get a, a designated plane pillow and it's a rotation because then when that pillow gets all sorts of like sweat and tears and jizz, 
uh, you swap it out with the hotel pillow. And then you've got a brand new pillow to take home. And I've never been fined. I will swear by this strategy. Even though my pillow was yellow and gross, it, it, I, the Marriott, are they going to notice? Are you paying the maid enough to eat? Is maid a, 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 a term that we're allowed to say? The housekeeping, are they, you know, you ever see that painting of the, of the, of the roadkill in the middle of the road and the two yellow lines just painted over the roadkill and it says, not my job. That's uh, the maid is probably like, yeah, who cares? I'm not going to mark down. There's four pillows. When I left, there's four pillows. Plausible deniability. We're big on that, right? How is she going to know? It's about the same size. You know, usually they're old pillows from a Marriott at this point. So I'm just returning their pillow back to them three months after I cried into it every night because nobody listens to my podcast so unless they saw me on the way out but again i brought i brought a pillow i checked checked the security cameras those are grainy and black and white there's no way you're gonna notice the discoloration so I bring a pillow when i walk in i bring a pillow when i walk out as far as anyone's concerned that's the same pillow I've never been fined, never, never been caught, and they're never going to catch me. Catch me outside, how about that? So, this happened to be a 9 a.m. flight. I stay up, I try to stay up all night, but I, I, I get two hours of sleep, and then I show up to the plane, I got my pillow, and I, I get into my seats, baby, in the middle of the seat. In the in the in not in my seat. Get out of my seat, baby. There's a baby in the middle seat that's like a two month old baby. Which is uh that's not even a baby yet. That's a that's a newborn. That's a that's a embryo. That's like that's still abortable in my eyes. <laughs> you know what? I don't like the shape of your nose. <laughs> I'm not mad at the baby. I'm not even mad at the... I'm a little mad at the parents. Why are you taking a two-month-old on a flight? This better be life-saving heart surgery that can only be done by a mad scientist in a foreign country. What purpose does bringing a baby... Did did I talk about this on episode one through seven? A two-month-old is so fragile. It's like... It, it's like traveling with a tomato plant. Do you need to meet relatives at two months old? Are you going on vacation? What is the, you know, why are you bringing a baby? Just chill out for a few years. Get the baby used to the ground. And then once it's, <laughs> look at that, 15 minutes in, we're not even, Anywhere close to the start of the story. The baby was great. I was impressed. It was, a, it, you know. 
I don't know if the baby made any noise or I was just tired and slept through it. But I put my little headphones in. I put on a calming podcast. And, and then that's it. Uh, I feel like the... I feel like the father was worried about me, like I was going to be pissed off. But I don't get mad at the baby because the baby, that's what babies do. I'm not mad at a baby. They cry and they inconvenience you and they ruin your life. The baby didn't go crazy. The baby went baby. <laughs> Once again, doing what other people's, Chris Rock, the Siegfried and Roy, the tiger went crazy. No, the tiger went tiger. But yes. Babies ruin your life. This baby was great. Other babies, everyone, you know, I think that's the thing with uh, growing up around comedians, and I count growing up being ages 23 through 33 uh, because that's that, those are the first 10 years of my comedy career, and I'm spending every night watching comics go, fucking kids will ruin your life, and, you know. There's a lot of truth in that. And everyone everyone's hack response when the when and I'll use it too, you know, when there's a 21 21-year-old before you, you go, "Give it up for him. He still has so much hope in his eyes." And then all the people laugh and you go, "Fuck you, you old bitter piece of, you know." Uh, but it's some biological thing that they you love them. There's a lot of biology funky brain stuff. My uncle kept making that joke. He kept, like, every time his kid did something stupid, he'd be like, fatherhood is the best thing that ever happened to me, but don't do it. That sounded like Verbiglia. But don't do it. I've often said having a comedy career is like a baby because it starts with three to seven minutes of fun, and it takes 30 years to appreciate all the work you put into keeping it alive, and it ruins your life in the process. But not a lot of fear of having a baby because nobody loves me. That's not true. I did get the saucy DM at the start of this show. I was going to go back and listen, but I thought we repeat stuff all the time. So why not? I know I did the stepdad joke later. But uh, she was like, I have wicked commitment issues and two kids. I think we'd be perfect for each other. And I just feel like if you're trying to hit on a comedian, try being funny. Just try to be funny. Because that way, if, if that's your version of being funny and it doesn't work for me, we know immediately it's not going to work. If I don't think you're a little bit funny, if you're not making me laugh, but don't list your mental illnesses up front. I'm not a comedian because I'm fucked up in the head. It's just purely coincidence. It just happened... At least that's what I would tell my therapist if I had one. But I don't think I can be a, a real dad either. I, it would be tough. At this state, you know, we've covered all the, I don't want to like Taylor Swift music. I'm not going to change my habits anymore. But uh, this is a bit I'm doing on stage. But a lot of times when I have sex, I can't reach orgasm. So now I know how it feels to be a woman. Um, when it happens to a man, they call it delayed ejaculation. 
And when it happens to a woman, they call it business as usual. Or I dated Luke for six years. One of those cute names. And call it delayed if you want, but it's like your flight on Spirit Airlines probably not coming. And, you know, I'm not insecure about it, really, because I think it should be a bonus feature of the penis to not ejaculate. <laughs> no more arguing about who has to get the towel. We save money in on pineapple juice. We live in a dystopian society that's trying to take away abortion rights. Hey, no more pregnancy scares for me, unless I'm the second coming of Christ. But usually, I'm not even the first coming. <laughs> but isn't the male come the worst part of sex? Because that means it's over, right? She still has hope in her eyes during, during sex. But once it's over, you know it's not going to... If I'm still, if I can, if I can, you know, we're getting real graphic. I hope my uncles aren't, <laughs> I hope nobody, I don't know what you thought you were going to listen to. But if I'm, if I can stay hard for an hour, naturally aspirated, you know, if that's my gift, then, you know, I can be directed. I can figure it out, slow, fast, whatever, from the other room <laughs> while you're in the shower. What, you just tell me what to do. And, uh, but once it, you know, the, the upside is it just never ends in tears, right? There's never going to be like, I guess that's not true because there are times where it happens. It's happened quite a few times where, this is the thing I'm more embarrassed about is it's like as I'm whipping it out, you know, during the foreplay of the thing. And then that you're like, and then having to explain to a woman like, no, this actually never happens. Like usually <laughs> they say the average vaginal sex, according to Google, three to seven minutes. And I'm, I'm just never in that window. If it's not in the first three minutes, it's going to be a while, is what I've discovered. But I would think, from her perspective, I don't know, there's more foreplay involved. I would think the three to seven minute window is not enough for, um, for most women. Uh, at least that's what the sitcoms would have you believe. <laughs> that's, that's my basic knowledge of sex. Is what the internet tells me. Whatever female comic and to and everyone, they, they're all like, "Oh, I use a dildo. I do whatever." The shower head. Uh, I get it, you know. Um. Anyway, now the solution is like for long term relationships, let the woman know that it's not her fault. I love her no matter what, but I don't because when you actually orgasm your brain releases this chemical that bonds you to your partner but i don't really get that i don't get that very often so if i am seeing a lady for a couple months in a row and that she starts to get annoying there's no part of my brain that's strong enough that's like hey keep her around she might raise a family i'm like hey maybe i'll meet someone in colorado and now it's like a self-fulfilling problem it's a downward spiral it's a tailspin 
that I can't get out of because I'm not, I'm acting like the woman in the sexual contract. People hit me up. I'm like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not going to chase you around. I'm not going to, it's not going to be a ton of fun for me. It's a lot of work. It's, you know, when I, when, when it's someone I want to do it with, that's fun. I like, you know, I am the type of guy that enjoys giving everyone else a fun night, as you could tell by my occupation. Uh, I mean, I fake it a lot of nights too, but usually it's pretty good. But, you know, also, if, uh, if I'm doing 200 sets a year, if I'm being honest, you know, most of them aren't, aren't ending orgasmically, right? Is that the, is the analogy getting lost? Are we still, are we still, are we, are we, I don't know if anything I say makes any sense, but I know the amount of work, you know, I, I just don't have like a lot of, um, I just don't have a lot of sex anymore because I don't only want to give it to people that I want to give it to because it's a lot of work. And then it becomes conversation. Should I have the conversation before? Should I have, right? I have to tell the woman, Hey, just by the way, uh, I might not come and that's not your fault. And cause otherwise she's going to go, I bet he's embarrassed to tell me he likes his asshole licked and they get adventurous. And I do, but don't do it cause of me. It's not going to help really do it. Cause you like it. If it's your thing, have a blast. Otherwise, please stick to the rivers and lakes you're used to. So I also don't have the advantage of being a woman Right, and the conversation after. If I don't say that, then it's like, why do you hate me? And you know, nobody. But I don't have a hundred people in my DMs every day going, "I want to eat grapes out of your butt." So I don't have um, this intimacy. You know, just almost everyone is pretty casual, and um, you know, that's not bad. I get a lot of work done. I get, I, I've solved three world wars. I've won so many Super Bowls on my Xbox. You know, the Venn diagram of a woman who meets my unattainable standards versus someone whose standards are so low that I would fall into them, we're really working with a, a narrow gap, which is, uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like a sex term or something, slang for vagina. A narrow gap. Now I could see. I read about this, or not? Maybe not. Is the girls got to eat podcast? I like listening to like the female comic sex podcasts where they're too honest about their stuff because it gives me. Again, I uh, behind enemy lines going. What are they? <laughs> what are they saying about us? But you go, oh, okay, you know. And then you, it, they were talking about. They were, this girl was dating a guy who had erection problems. And like, she was like, oh, after you just have to be patient 
And once they like learn to trust you, like we're shelter, we're like we're 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 dogs at the shelter where we're like, let me sniff your hand a little bit. My penis has been scarred. It's been hurt before. It's uh, it's been, it's been a troubling relationship, you know. So it's we're not on the best terms, you know. And I wouldn't. Ex- I need a penile therapist. You know, you just need regular sex with someone you trust and that's because of my career and my brain now that's just pretty difficult but this but again sidebar into that this whole year is going to be I'm home more often let's shoot my shot a couple times let's uh you know See if we can figure something out. Because I I envision the solutions of like, if you just date someone for a little bit, you go, (laughs) again, but I have to find that person. I'm dismantling a bomb, you know? It's got to, there's a timer, you know, in a few years, uh, I'm not going to be able to get a boner in the first place. And the whole point is, is irrelevant. So, uh, I'm like Jack Bauer, with my dick that's i imagine that's how he i jack bauer would be good at giving vasectomies you know does he actually i've never watched an episode of 24 is he like just with the pliers actually like is is it a bomb is it a kidnapping is it different every time i imagine there's not a lot of wire cutting in in bombs anymore i could be wrong 30 minutes in. Okay. We got through that. I thought that was going to be longer. That's what she said. So I was in Hartford, Connecticut this weekend. City of big dreams. Uh, my uncle lives there. And he has a four-year-old. So we did. I didn't explore. We just went to like a science center, an aquarium. And then that was it. And then we grabbed lunch. And then I got a... I got to pace around in my hotel room an hour before the show and and do the jokes and do a a, a hairbrush and uh, and that's how I'm getting ready and that's this it's I'm I would like to get I would like to do that less if I'm being honest with you and myself this is a safe space with our feelings I would like to I took like three weeks off of stand up almost I mean not on purpose, just nobody booked me, but from like the 18th until the 6th, I just didn't do stand-up, except for like one seven-minute set somewhere, you know, and then I, it, the first time back on stage felt so fresh and natural, and, and of course, it had to be a good crowd, but, you know, I, I bet there's a thing to that, whereas the last, the whole time I've been like, I've been doing my act in the car on the way to, you know. And some of that is implementing new bits and trying new phrases and I'll give myself a pass on that. So, but it, but there is plenty of, how does that bit go? Oh, I know that bit. I've been telling that bit for eight months now. I I haven't added a new line since the Reagan administration I should know this. Why am I nervous that I don't? Because once a year I flub the line 
And then I go, fucking idiot. And uh, I was at this club. By the way, I bought a bottle of Coke from a vending machine at the aquarium. Not a lot of recycling bins. I just threw it in the dolphin pool. I was like, that's where it's going to end up anyway. Might as well. They want the dolphins to feel like they're home. I'm helping. They have this perfect pool. That's not what the ocean is. It's time these dolphins learn the hard truth and learn to be grateful for what they have. I was at this tiny club called the City Street, City City Stream, City Steam Brewery. It seats like 125. They offered me $600 flat with a $400 bonus if I sold 150 tickets. So you think 75 a night, pretty good, pretty attainable. You got to figure they're going to sell some tickets. Maybe I'll run an ad. I'll sell some tickets. Who knows? Um, my dad grew up in Connecticut, New Haven, and he comes from a Catholic family, and they love fucking, and they have no problem with semen. So uh, <laughs> they had like 10 or 11 siblings. I've got 50 aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews and kids and and um, and a lot of them bought tickets to the show. And but I also have five minutes of jokes about blowjobs, and I can't come, and you know. Uh, so I'm doing this math in my head, like, ah, should I do these jokes in front of this family? Like, I also have some jokes about my dad dying. Cause someone and someone sent me a funny message like "sorry about your dad dying" and I was like, "Oh no no no, he's still alive." And then I posted that on Facebook, and my my dad's sister sends me an email. Ha! Ah, I know this is insensitive, and I know you're trying to be funny, but just think about other people. And now I know she's watching my Instagram story every day, so I'm like, "What can I post in here that's safe?" For everybody. And so I'm like, all right, we'll skip. We'll skip the glory hole bit. We'll skip the sex jokes. We'll skip the dad dying jokes. This is why. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to not do the. The jokes about my dad dying anyway, because they don't. I think they don't they don't really work. They say good audiences help you write and bad audiences help you edit. And that and I blame audiences a lot, but eventually you gotta you gotta believe believe all audiences, you know. <laughs> um this I this is why I don't get mad at hacks really, because the job is not technically to be the best artist. The job is just to make people laugh. And if your audience is dumb, then by doing smart jokes, you're failing at your job. So, you know, more power to you. Um, bunch of complaining. Uh, anyway, I did the uh, dad dying jokes the first night, and they do okay. And at the end of the night... I talked to my uncle because my aunt wasn't at that. Everyone was going to the Saturday show. And 
I go, what do you think of those jokes? Are they too, too much for Aunt Patty? And he he's a little drunk after the show, so he's like, ah, fuck her, who cares? Tough shit's funny. The next day, he sobers up, and he's like, yeah, the more I'm thinking about that, don't do those jokes, uh, which is very funny. And I had come to that realization, so I skipped the dead dad jokes. I skipped the dirty jokes. Uh, I had to do, like, 15 minutes. What, what's left of my act? But is it weird that I'm worried about what my family thinks of that you know i'm okay just talking to strangers about my deepest issues deep issue massage but it's also like i have to see my family again i'm not gonna run into a random crowd member from 2014 in the airport where he goes i know a lot about your penis that happened one time so what is the, I guess it's just a longer conversation, right? I'm not, you know, my, they don't want to hear about that. Do they need, do we need to have that? Uh, you know. Um. But every time I think about it, it's not a big deal, right? The more I'm more embarrassed to admit I uh, have a writing partner. <laughs> it's the only partner I have. Not technically, but every time I write a joke, basically, I try to space it out, but I send it to my friend who shall remain nameless because I don't know if he wants this. All out in the public like I'm talking about it. But I wrote that joke and I was like, ah, do I want to send this to Bobby? You know, we'll just say. And uh, he goes over my jokes and, you know, he read pen. This sucks. Cross this out. Here's a tag idea. And then I ignore him and tell it the wrong way anyway. But I send it to him and he, go, and he goes, oh, yeah, I have that problem. And immediately, I'm like, oh, what a relief. This happens all the time, and people aren't people just don't talk about it. And then the universe sending me signals, right? I'm watching this internet clip of this comedian who's not, not an old married guy, unlike this other guy. He's a young, hip, famous comic, and it's one of those man-on-the-street interviews. And he says, oh, yeah, I have, this, I have to focus really hard. And I'm like, oh, maybe if I, maybe if I focus, I can I can orgasm, you know. And then I'm like, okay, well, if he's posting it on a reel, I better do the bit. I, you know, it, it it's vulnerable. Then I'm watching a Louis C.K. interview. Say what you will about the man, but he says he's a great comedian. He says, some of my favorite jokes are jokes that the audience didn't want to hear and that I didn't want to tell. And I'm like, I have a couple jokes like that. And so I go, fuck it. I'm going to do the joke. So I write out the joke. I send it to Billy Boy. He goes, I have that problem. The universe is telling me to do this joke. I go to the open mic. And I'm having... Second thoughts at open mic. I'm like, yeah, now I'm around my peers. And uh, this is terrifying. And 
some of them think I'm this, you know, headliner, amazing. What I don't know. Some of them are wrong about that, but I don't want to lose their respect in a way. And and then I'm watching everyone set, and this guy is going. I got four years clean from being addicted to heroin, and this chick is like, "Oh, I'm a cutter," and. This person's like, I'm trans, and I came out to my parents last year, and I'm going, I am the least, I have the, I have the least important problem on, on open mic. I'm an open mic, and I'm scared to talk about how I can have sex for an hour straight. Gee, what a problem, right? <laughs> the, you know, all the comics are like, my wife won't blow me. It's been ten years. Uh, and I'm going, it takes me forever to come. I have porno dick. Like, you know. And I'm doing, anyway. So I do the bit. It goes well, pretty well, you know. And I'm, I'm like, all right, well. You know. The universe sending me signals. Uh... So good job, Louis C.K. Listen, listen to Louis C.K. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm considering the source. It's it's it. I won't take dating advice from Louis C.K. I'm not letting Michael Jackson babysit my kids. Uh, but if if MJ wants to give singing lessons, you know, I'll drop him off under supervision for a few hours. You know. What's that? Is are you a comedian? Is are you listening to this? Do you do you have a bit that you're not sure anyone wants to hear, but you think just I think you gotta do it. I think once you get over the fear of like, there are people with special. Everyone's on pills. It's fine. It's, people like need antidepressants. If the least of your problems is, you know, something that other people would pray for, uh, I don't know. This is your sign from the universe. Um, I'm hanging with my uncle's kid, and uh, it's fun. You would think being a comedian would give you an advantage to being like a funny uncle, but it's been difficult because kids don't. I I only have one move. It's the comedian, the sarcasm, and the kids don't pick up on that. My brother and his daughter and I were on a hike, and she fell. And not even a scrape on her knee, but she's crying, and my brother's going, oh, it's okay, it's okay, you feel okay. And I go, oh, no, we're going to have to amputate. And then she, that did not help, you know. She wasn't like, oh, ha, 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 I guess it isn't a big deal. My brother looked at me, and he was like, I'll amputate your head if you make that joke again. But um, hanging with my uncle's kid, I think that's a cousin. I don't know how the family tree works. I just know that stepsisters are legal. But I think the boys are a little easier for me because I'm a boy and I, because they're just easier to entertain. You just do the dumbest thing you can think of. And that's fun. He just wants to laugh at everything. He's such a cool kid. Even if you're scolding him, 
Like, hey, don't throw rocks in the streets. And he just starts laughing. And then you're like, okay, fine, throw rocks. You're so funny. But girls aren't that easy. They want to pretend and have elaborate stories and quests. And and the boy is just like, throw me around. Uh, later on, girls like getting thrown around too. But that's, uh, you know, that's for a conversation that my family isn't listening to. <laughs> Um, are we subliminally changing our kids' behavior? That was the premise of a lot of my openers' bits this weekend in Hartford. It was very, uh, I don't want my kids to be gay, so... I think, no, he had the opposite thing. He was like, I want my kids to be gay, so I'm just gonna put photos of scissors on the wall and... You know, something like that. I think I'm, I know earlier it's like you don't want to say a comedian's bit because you don't want to mess it up, but I think I just made his joke better. <laughs> his dad, his dad owns the comedy club and he books it. And he, he didn't try to hide it. It wasn't someone like whispering to me, like he was just kind of saying it matter of factly. And so, I don't know, he just didn't want to book somebody, so he filled the time himself. And you can't, again, deploying empathy, you can't get mad at a poorly run comedy club because that's also why you're there. <laughs> they only seat 125 people. There's, there's definitely 52 better comedians than Andrew Rivers a year within driving distance of Connecticut that live in New York City. They take a subway up. I had to buy plane tickets. Figure it out. But hey, I sold out Saturday night, so maybe I was the right choice. I had like 75 relatives within a two to three hour driving distance. Uncle Mike rallied the troops. And I got an email Thursday and it said, hey, Friday looks light, but Saturday pre-sales are good. And I thought, well, there goes my bonus. But you don't know what that means to them. Small for her, not small for her, right? She suffers from tight pussy syndrome. Maybe this club is always packed and I'm the disappointment. You never know. We're really keeping the sex metaphors moving. Mike is trying to work the phones, bless his heart. Literally bless his heart. He had a heart attack last year. But he was on there like a Jerry Lewis telethon. He's calling for Bernie. Give some money to the poor. Andrew is my brother's kid, and I can't let him die. He personally bought tickets to both shows. He's a musician. He gets it. Uh, and he's he kept telling everyone, pre-buy tickets. It looks good for Andrew. So Friday, about half full, 60 people. Uh, but I was like, that's not bad. And they kept saying like, well, they almost called off a server, but we got a bunch of sales last minute. And I go, oh, okay, cool. Uh, show goes pretty good. The guy, the middle goes up. He, uh, wears a bathrobe and sweatpants and slippers and a t-shirt and a unshaven and, uh, so the bathroom, the bathrobe, uh, he opens the show. Thankfully, he kept the bathrobe closed. 
Uh, although if he wanted some laughs, he should have flashed the audience with his bathrobe. Anything was less horrific and scarring than his set. And uh, so we have a, a sold-out audience Saturday night. And as I show up, the manager is yelling at me. It's sold out. I don't know what to do. 50 people bought tickets in one day. We only had 70 sold yesterday. And I'm like, isn't that how it's supposed to happen? He's yelling at me. He's like, it's good for you, but it sucks for us. We we don't have enough servers. What, what if people want their money back? Why? If you go to Disneyland, it's a three-hour wait. Why do you get your money back? You don't, you don't get your money back. Why would you ask for it at a restaurant? Like, he's trying to... And I'm like, I just want to... I just, I'm just here to tell jokes, you know? So, they show, the show starts 20 minutes late. Their drink service is slow. People are mad. They're not getting food. The person, there's a person in front during the MC set, and she's like, I don't have silverware. And it's just, you know. I was looking forward to a, a cool sold-out show in front of my family instead of, like, a good... You know, they saw a good halfway full show. It was a great show. They laughed at everything. There was one weird lady, but she kind of kept her mouth shut until the end. And, uh, and I kind of made her look dumb. So, easy. But then this one, I'm like, if people aren't drunk, if people are annoyed... It's going to be a lot harder. And everyone's going, it's never this busy. Why? And I'm like, how did I, did I feel, I think I'm, am I famous? What happened? Some of my, it's not all family, by the way. Some of the family couldn't get in. They were like, it's sold out. We we didn't think you were this, (laughs) they didn't believe in me. And they were right. They shouldn't have. Um, so this guy, I'm being really hard on him, but it's nothing I wouldn't say to his face if we had to have this conversation, but he's just, he brings up silverware with him, which is funny. The people in front are complaining about silverware. He comes up, does some joke about, Hey, I'm working double shift tonight. Uh, give me your drink orders. Here's your silverware. What can I get you? I'll shout it into the microphone. Uh, You know, that's pretty funny. I don't know. I didn't hear, you know, I didn't hear the details. I was just in the green room kind of hearing muffles. It sounded like it got a good response. And, uh, you know, whatever. But then he goes into his act, which is bad. He's doing an impression of a comedian. Does that make sense? If you're going to... He just, he's a comedy booker who just booked enough comedy and was like, I can do that. And is doing a half ass version impression of what he's seen a lot of people do. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want my, I don't want, I want my kids to be gay. So I'm going to buy a Subaru when I grow up. So that way they're riding in a Subaru. Or, you know, again, I think I'm making the joke better. I think I'm eliminating three sentences of setup to get to that punchline. But um, if I was going to make a movie, 
and I needed a bad comedian. I would just hire him and go, just do your act. I just need someone to bomb for the scene. And we really need the audience to feel it at home. Like the confusion and the, should we just laugh because it's weird now? Like, I I guess I kind of see how that's funny. We just need this, just do your act. Real bad. And and again, nothing. He got off stage, apologized. Which is a funny moment. Because I have apologized one time also. I was doing a show. And I it was a, an urban room. Shall, shall, are we hip to the lingo? There's like black comedy clubs, basically. And this guy, Nate Jackson, super funny comedian, which is his brand, super funny comedian, Nate Jackson. I did five minutes on his show one time, had a great set, killed it, some might say, for what I was capable of at that point. I'm trying to impress a girl. She goes, I want to come see your show. And I go, you know what? I know a guy who runs a show tonight. We can go out. She's like, that'd be fun. I call up Nate. I'm like, hey, man. Hook me up. He goes, dude, my feature just canceled. You're a, the universe is sending me signals. Yeah. And I go, okay. 20 minutes? I got it. And I had the brilliant idea to like, they had a DJ. And I thought, oh, if you play Biggie, I have a joke about how he says, phone bill about two G's flat. No need to worry. My accountant handles that. Hey, Biggie, you get an unlimited plan for T-Mobile for like 200 bucks. <laughs> Super Nintendo. That was my big... I was going to go, did you hear the intro to that intro music? How silly. They're not paying attention to the music, nor is that a funny joke. Everyone knows the song's made in 1993. <laughs> I think your accountant's ripping you off, Mr. Biggs. Bad comedy. Does not set me up well. And then I just bomb for 20 minutes. And as the host is getting off stage, I go, sorry about that. And he said into the microphone, hey, you know what? He just apologized to me. And I was like, I guess I should have apologized to the crowd. That would have been a better, instead of, thank you very much, my name is Andrew Rivers, I should have said, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to tell you my name. But uh, he bombs. He comes off stage. He walks by me because, sorry. And I'm back. I Here's the problem with someone bombing. It's so much easier to follow someone killing because you just take the hand off. When someone's not doing well, you have to kind of address it. There's tension left in the room, right? And your job as a comedian is to pop is to pop the balloon to to get rid of that tension. And so you can get it slowly if you just launch into your act, but there's still a bunch left, so it's going to take a lot of pressure to really crack that audience open. And I'm I was pacing the whole time going, what can I say? Meanwhile, I should have just read 
the text messages I was sending my friends like this guy looks like he escaped from a mental hospital and um here's a Berbiglia line what I should have said um I did go on say I did I couldn't think of anything but when I got on stage there was silverware on stage still and from his bit and I go oh there's silverware up here it makes sense that last guy was eating it and it just blew up very quick. I didn't think the audience would get it, so I kind of like, hey, hey, all right. That's what I do when I think I'm being too jokey. Like if the audience knows it's a joke coming. I don't know. It's my own, hey, hey, that guy was eating it. And then there was like little pops because uh, people were like explaining the lingo and then People were just, I remember very specifically this old guy in the front row is just keeling over. I've never killed that hard that quickly with an opening line. Keeling over, holding his stomach, face turning red. And I'm like, oh, you like that one? Ah. And just other people are getting it. And I'm like, cool. And then I just launch into my act. But it, I couldn't follow myself even. They were like, no, keep ripping on that guy. I did think of like a couple other things. Like, um, uh, I should have said, uh, hey, I know they told us not to uh, check our phone. I know they told us not to check our phones, but can someone see if there's an Amber Alert? That guy is definitely missing from somewhere. He looks like he should be taking pills from a plastic cup and... Starting a nap. Who let him, you know, where's security? You know, there was a ton of, I could have gone into dressed like my whatever. And his whole act is like, yeah, my wife's a cunt and she won't fuck me. And I told her I'm in New Jersey. I had a show in New Jersey. And, and, and the joke is like, he's a half hour from home, but he just left early to go get drunk at a bar. And, and then he could have been like, you could have just gone up and been like, said all the things the audience is thinking, you know, like, geez, it sounds like, I can't imagine why your wife doesn't fuck you. I mean, you, you got mashed potato on your sweatpants uh, and you're scared of your kids being gay or something, you know, whatever. Could have just made, but I also thought, he's booking the club. He's, you know, the bomb is a punishment enough. Leave him alone. Um... Mm. Every day is a gift. Panic attacks. I think I've always had... Bam, 58 minutes. I think I've always had panic attacks. We just didn't know what a name for it was. I used to have these... Uh, I would just freak out. And... Uh, I didn't know what was happening... And I didn't know how to explain it to everybody. One time, my uncle, Mike, my favorite uncle, by the way, he bought me beer when I was like 16, and then I told on him. I didn't drink the beer. I, didn't, I don't really like, I never liked the taste of beer, as Gabriel Rutledge would say. You're, you're doing it for the taste? You're supposed to like the taste? Um, ba, ba, ba. I was hiding behind a... He was hiding behind a tree one time on a hike, and he jumped out. Not even loud. 
but I just freaked out and then I like fell to the ground and had a pain. And at the time they were just like, Oh, sorry about that. And, you know? And I'm like crying and they're like, do you want to keep going? I'm like, I don't know. And, uh, he, we were hiking with his kid, just a little walk. And, uh, I said, hey, Mike, should I hide behind the tree? And you can just see his face go, come, dude, I don't do that. I'm 50 years old and I still feel bad, you know, of a thing that happened 30 years ago. I, and I'm going, I know, I'm, so I love you. It's all good. But, um, all right. I like that, um, all my friends are comedians that have podcasts because now I don't, I don't feel guilty about not calling them. And that's what this is, you know? If you want to check in with how I'm doing, you know, this is what I'm up to. <laughs> These are the conversations I have with my friends and uh, with my own brain. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hope any of that was interesting. Uh, probably wasn't. But uh, we made it through. All right. Godspeed. God bless. Good night, everybody. By the way, how fitting that this podcast is an hour long and does not have an epic, climactic conclusion. Mm? Just kind of petered out at the end there. What can I say? Never been a strong finisher. Good night, everybody.